0: Does anyone want to anyone want to read for me this morning? Letter of Philémon. Come on, Neil. Come on, Neil. Philémon. <laughs>
1: Philémon. Let's. Let's. I think this is. You know, we want to.
0: this Over these next uh, last week and the next couple of weeks, actually, we're just looking at this letter and drawing out different themes. So I think it's really important. There is just the Bible says that the Word of God is alive and active, and actually, hopefully, God will speak through me. But I have absolute confidence that when we listen to scripture being read, it changes us. And so I just think we just give ourselves to listening to this chapter being read and open our hearts to what God wants to say. So go for it now.
1: Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, <coughs> our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Athia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith, your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son on his Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent. So that any favour you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so does Mark, Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you so much. So Paul writes this uh, letter to, to Philemon. He's a, a wealthy Christian. Um, he lives in the city of, of Colossae. And at some point, another man uh, named Epaphras becomes a follower of Jesus and starts a, a community of believers. Philemon hears the good news of Jesus and, and becomes a follower. And, and later, um, is, is some you know is serving this local church that meets in his home, uh, like lots of Roman households uh, in the Roman lots of households in the Roman world. Philemon owned slaves, and one of them was this man named Onesimus. We don't know what happened, but at some point, uh, Onesimus wrongs Philemon, and he runs away, and he finds himself in Rome, where he encounters Paul. He hears the gospel, and becomes a follower of Jesus. And we don't know what happened. We don't. There's a lot. There's a gap in the story, um, but it shows the amazing sovereignty of God that God seeks out unlikely individuals that He wants to use to advance His kingdom. Maybe that's your story today. You felt like an unlikely individual has been added into the church. But I also believe that that's going to be the story of many in our city. Many individuals who are unlikely. That God wants to draw near to and add them into the kingdom. Maybe even for some people in your life that you're thinking of, you think they just, what would it look like even for God to break into their lives? God draws near to the unlikely individuals. And Paul writes to Philemon, and firstly, he, he has two requests or two aims from this letter. Firstly, he wanted Philemon to forgive Onesimus. Last week, uh, Luke was with us who shared with us on the topic of forgiveness and challenged us to think of who are those people who we need to forgive. uh, Specifically asking us, who is that one person that comes to mind? Who was that name that you brought before God? Can I encourage you that that forgiveness is, is, is something that needs to be walked out daily? That it's a decision we make... But then when feelings of hurt, when feelings of betrayal, when feelings of rejection come up, choosing to bring them before God and choosing to forgive. Sometimes those feelings of unforgiveness are dealt with quickly, but sometimes the hurts run so deep, the damage has been so traumatic that we have to give time and space to allow God to work in our hearts. You you cannot rush that as frustrating as that is at times, but you can continually place yourself before God and within a great church community. To help you seeking wise counsel from those around you. Maybe even today, as you reflect on last week, you think, actually, no, I know God needs to do more work in my heart. Maybe you need to, to grab someone to pray with you. Maybe you need to chat it through with your small group leader during the week. And the second aim that Paul writes to Philemon is not just that he would forgive him, but he would embrace him as a brother. Now, this is hard on two levels. Firstly, because it's vulnerable. When we've been hurt, we might want uh, to be okay with forgiving the person, but we still want to see the person punished. We might want to still see the person having consequences for their actions. We maybe want to protect ourselves. And it can seem unfair. Why should I allow someone back in who has done me harm? Around the same time, Paul writes to Philemon, he also writes to the wider church in Colossae uh, and in in Colossians 1, uh, sorry, in Colossians 3 verse 1, he says, "For if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. And then he goes on to explain the implications of being raised with Christ. And he says in verse 12 and 13, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So as we look at Paul's request to Philemon, what he is saying is because Christ has forgiven you, you are to forgive Onesimus. And what is Christ's forgiveness for us? It is, our, it is forgiveness of all our wrongdoing and then it is welcoming us into the family. Not as guilty individuals, not as second class citizens, not as the person in the naughty corner. No, he welcomes us in as children of God, fully accepted and fully embraced. One of my favourite verses in the Bible, 1 Peter 2, 9-10, to he describes who we are as a people. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who are called in, out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Wonderful truths. And so often we can write people off because of their past. Here, Paul, a former persecutor of the church, he is speaking of God's grace and he is appealing to his brother in Christ to welcome back a slave, a lowly member of society, someone who has messed up, welcoming back in, not just as a slave, but as a brother. And that's the gospel. Psalm 113, he raises the poor from the dust, he lifts the needy up from the ash heap and he seats them with princes with the princes of his people when I realise what God has done in my life how can I not extend the love, the grace the mercy to those around me and on paper this request seems to make sense and if you think of what the you know, forgiving someone, welcoming them as a brother I think, yeah that, that sounds like something the bible would say the problem with this request is it completely turned upside down the social norms owning a slave was normal Even a couple of hundred years ago, many Christians around the world did not see owning slaves as contrary to their faith. In fact, many used scripture to justify keeping and even sometimes mistreating slaves. But this is Paul's request in verse 15 and 16. For this is perhaps why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. Paul is expecting that because Onesimus is now a follower of Jesus a brother in Christ, it would completely transform the relationship between them. Onesimus was now Philemon's beloved brother. You know that the gospel levels the playing field. Paul says in verse 17, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. The word partner, it's the Greek word cornea. It refers to sharing, to mutual partnership. It's this idea of being together for the purposes of the gospel. And this partnership was not one of hierarchy, you know, slave owner and slave, but equality. Every person having worth and equal standing before God. All sinners needing forgiveness and once forgiven, all our beloved children, forgiven and accepted by God. Now, there are no favourites in the kingdom of God. There are no special positions, no hierarchy. Paul writes in Colossians 1, here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. And that means Philemon and Onesimus are equals before God and therefore equals in community. As followers of Jesus we are added into family And in that family, we are to love our brothers and sisters. We are to be united as a family. We don't just put up with one another. But we are to love one another. To accept one another. And to embrace one another. And this is fairly simple when people are like us. Who finds it easy to get on with people who are like them? You know, I find it easy to get on with people who are similar to me. Similar backgrounds, similar interests, similar values. And then I come to church... And I find a random group of people who are nothing like me most of the time. And yet Paul's instruction to Philemon is the same for us. Just as Philemon is to treat Onesimus as a beloved brother, so we are to treat everyone in church community as our beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. That when the world sees the way that we are with one another, they see the love of Jesus. John thirteen thirty five. Jesus says, by this, everyone that will know that you are my disciples. And his answer, if you love one another. Paul is saying that the world will see that you are my disciples, not because of your good deeds, not because of how your meetings look, not because of how much you give or what you do in the community. People will see Jesus by how you love one another. Now why would anybody want to walk into a church that is full of backbiting, gossip, unforgiveness? But when we see a church community that truly love one another, it is magnetic to the outside world. You know, the world thrives on division and segregation, and yet the church is a place where true unity is found. Where people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different economic status, different skin colours, they come together in unity, and it is expressed through our diversity. Paul writes, Paul's earlier letter in Colossians, it's then, this, this kind of idea is repeated in Galatians 328, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This, this message through the, the New Testament, again and again, you are one. Your, the barriers have been broken down. Now, if it, wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for Jesus, I don't think I know any of you, or definitely not many of you in this room. And yet we are joined together as family. Not just freedom church not just christians in Hull, not just regions beyond churches but we are a family of christ across the whole world you have many brothers and sisters today and as our family of churches regions beyond we have this value that i love that is that we are intentional about diversity and that's to say we are deliberate and committed to loving one another and being united even in our differences we don't all have to be the same that's wonderfully good news church would be such a boring place if you were all like me No, definitely no one would come but in a world of division we have a wonderful opportunity to present an alternative reality to the world around us that when people see the church when they see you in action they see something that is completely countercultural. what if in the church they saw unity like they'd never seen or experienced before Paul's instruction to Philemon is not just his idea. It is something that is built on throughout Scripture. There is this continuing theme through, throughout the Bible that God's plans and purpose is to gather in a people from every nation to worship him. In Revelation 7, 9-10, to 10, we are given this beautiful picture of the redeemed people of God. They are gathered around the throne. They are worshipping God. And these redeemed people... They are described as a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people and language which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. It's the last, some of the last pages of scripture, this picture is described but it's actually built throughout scripture. You know Abraham, back in Genesis, he has promised that his descendants shall be too many to count. Daniel 7, we're given this picture of the Son of Man coming from the clouds and being given authority and glory and power and all nations and all people worshipping Jesus. There is this promise that the Spirit is going to be poured out on all people in the book of Joel. We then see the book of Acts and the fulfilment of that promise. We see the pouring out of the Spirit on Pentecost and people speaking in many different languages. And then we see the early church and we see this multicultural dynamic as Jew and Gentile, slave and free are found together in the church. Revelation 7 gives us a glimpse of what eternity will look like. And we find diversity being expressed in its fullness. If that's what the church is going to be like in eternity, we have the privilege to experience a measure of that beauty today. And we experience that because of what Jesus has done. Jesus has broken down every division between us. Ephesians two thirteen to 16. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once far off, that's us, have been brought together near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two. So make him peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore thereby killing the hostility. Jesus, because of his work on the cross, has made peace. He has reconciled us to both God and to one another. We therefore have access to the Father by the Spirit as fellow citizens of God's kingdom, members of his household. We are being built together as a, a, into a temple for the indwelling of his Spirit. We who are far off have been drawn near. We have been added into the family. Reconciled not because of anything that we have done. Not because of anything that we bring. But because of the grace of God. And that levels the playing field as we have seen with Philemon and Onesimus. When we realise that then we want to be communities that welcome in every member of God's family. As we are this diverse family of believers... We are a prophetic sign to the world of the wisdom and the power of the gospel. As humans, we naturally want to spend time with people who are like us. But the kingdom of God reshapes and reorders social structures. Jesus does this throughout his time on earth. Who does Jesus spend his time with? He spends his time with the outcast and the marginalised. The church should be the place where when people walk in, they see the diversity amongst us. They see our love for one another. They they get to see what the kingdom of God looks like. I want people to walk into the church and go, how do you lot know each other? And the only answer is Jesus. And this is more than just Philemon putting up with Onesimus. This is more than just accepting people who are different than us. Sometimes we can use these words like diversity and they can seem like this, it's like a gesture, you know, progressive terms that can be on a website or be in a vision statement but they actually don't mean anything in practice. Because being a diverse family is more than just including people. It's more than just having people who look and sound different amongst us but it is truly belonging and truly being united. Being a diverse church is a call for us to create space where people truly belong. That they know their voice is heard and valued and vital. That we need each other. If people feel like they've got to leave their, who they are at the door when they come in, then we're getting it wrong. We need each other. Onesimus needed Philemon. But Philemon needed Onesimus. This idea of cornea, mutual partnership. Are we reliant on each other within the church? Now we always want to lead people not to ourselves but to Jesus. But Jesus designed us and placed us in community because we need one another. I need Clive. Clive needs me. Clive needs Neil. Neil needs Clive. And so on and so on. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul speaks of the body of Christ being a body. And it says, just as... As a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, when we were given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one, but of many parts. This passage is used to speak of spiritual gifts and unity, and Paul speaks of the church as a body. But it speaks of difference. For we are all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And so, next, Paul is wanting to speak about how the body functions, and Paul wants us to view the rest of this passage through the lens of diversity. From verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 12. For if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an ear, so if I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. For if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. That's a challenge for us. Is there any division within the body? When one of us suffers, do we all suffer? When one of us is honoured, do we all rejoice? Now this passage is speaking earlier on about spiritual gifts, but it's not just about spiritual gifts. Verse 13 when Paul says about Jew and Gentile, slave and free, would make no sense if that was the case. But Paul is affirming that the, the body of Christ is to be multicultural, multinational. It is to be diverse. It is to be a wonderful demonstration of God. It is to gather together people who are different and together they are to be united. There's a great writer, David Anderson, who wrote a lot about diversity in the church and he says anyone who may he talks about the church he says anyone who may feel, look or truly be unpresentable or weaker must be handled and even honoured differently. No one should be in the fringes without others reaching out to include them. Whether white or black, Jewish or Arab rich or poor, male and female. No one should be on the fringes. It's a real challenge to us. How do we embrace those around us? How do we draw people in when someone's struggling? How do we stand alongside them? When someone is different from us and we just don't understand their perspective, how do we get alongside them so we can truly understand, so we can truly love them and truly embrace them? Because we miss out when we neglect diversity. We need each other. We need to be church where the division is removed. We need to bring together those who are separated by age, ethnicity, language, culture, economic status, class, education, gender. Where together we display God's new humanity in Christ. And we're going to get it wrong. We're going to make mistakes. But then we humbly come before God, ask for his forgiveness and those we have hurt. I had the wonderful privilege of being part of a church which has nearly 30 nations amongst us. I make tons of mistakes when it comes to trying to make diversity happen. Got tons of cultural landmines that I step on and realise. Embracing diversity takes getting to know people, but it takes a willingness to step out of our comfort zones and embrace those who are different to us. And this is not about trying to make church accessible. This is about us trying to humble ourselves and realise that our need for others, and that without diversity, we as individuals, but we as a church, are weaker. I think of the the beauty of some of the friendships that I have built up with people who are nothing like me. People who come from different backgrounds, or different ages, or different uh, nations, And I just know the benefit that I have had It's so worth it. Investing in those who are different, spending time prioritising unity. We all need one another. And the church will only reflect the beauty of the body of Christ if we truly love one another. Paul knew that this was more than just Philemon and Onesimus. The church knew in its early days and he knew that if they don't get it right here, what they're going to demonstrate to the church around them, Is that the church is not a place of unity. That the church is a place of hierarchy. Where people's titles mean more than than the Christ identity that is placed on them. This would mark the church out either as a place that represented the love of Christ. Or it would mark it out as a counterfeit. You know we can preach the love of Jesus all we want. But if we don't truly love one another then we have nothing to offer the world around us. Because the love of Jesus changes us and makes us love those around us. Starting with those already in the church, but then together going out into the community and showing the love of Jesus through our togetherness. Because one day we will be gathered around the throne of our Lord and Saviour. There will be people from every tribe and tongue. It will be diversity in its fullness. Would it not be amazing if Freedom Church was a place... Where we experience the foretaste of that now. Where the gospel breaks down our division. And when people look at the church, they see this random group of people, no offence, brought together, truly loving one another. And as they see that, they see what the kingdom looks like in action. They get drawn in and they meet Jesus for themselves. Let's pray. God we ask. Would your kingdom. Your multi-coloured. Diverse kingdom. Come to whole. As it is in heaven. Would you help us. To be people who, are, who will walk across the room to embrace someone who is not like us. People who are willing to embrace those around us. Willing to place ourselves in other people's lives. Would you create in this place such a wonderful community that it draws people in. Would you help us to love one another? Lord, when people upset us, when people rub us up the wrong way, Lord, would you help us forgive to forgive? And would you help us to embrace those within this community, but then as we go out into the world, would you help us to be a church community that embraces all those that you place around us? And Lord, would through this church, your diverse kingdom be displayed to this city would you break down barriers would you break down the walls that stop people even walking into church and would you display how wonderful your kingdom is to all those in this city and we ask this in jesus name amen